Well, this morning we're continuing our series that we started last week called Pursuit, which we said pursuit is chasing hard after something. It's chasing after it with your whole heart. It's going after it with everything in you. And, um, you know, this, this time of year, there's many people that are making New Year resolutions. And they're making commitments to pursue what in their minds will give them the best chance of having a better year and improving their life. And so, um, you know, we make commitments to pursue the things that we think are going to be ad- advantageous to, to our existence and to our life. And so last week we talked about, you know, the question that we really need to answer in this series is what's going to be the pursuit of our life this year? What are we going to spend all our time and energy doing? And the other question is, what is the best pursuit we can make? What is the best thing that we can just expend all of our our energy and our days in 2016 doing? Well, in Matthew 6, 33, Jesus said this, but above all, Pursue his kingdom and righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Jesus says, above all pursuits, we should pursue his kingdom and his righteousness. And then he says, and everything else will be given to you and will fall into place. You know, normally we just turn that around. We spend our life trying to take care of everything else in our life, and somehow pursuing God falls off the shelf. But if we'll just turn that around and if we'll put pursuing God, number one, then I think everything else will fall into place. Amen. And listen, there's no telling what kind of transformation can take place in 2016. There's no telling what God might do if we will make a top priority of pursuing him. Amen. Y'all agree with that? Listen, in Ephesians 3.20, it says, with God's power working in us, God can do much, much more than anything that we can ask or imagine. Now, I can imagine God doing some great things, but God says he can do more than I could imagine, man. That's, that, is, that is through the roof, amen? And I believe he can. Remember what Jesus asked the blind man in Mark 10? He asked him this. He said, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. And the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. It's almost like he said, duh, can't you see I'm blind? I want to see. But, you know, I believe the Lord made him, made him say what he wanted. And, you know, I believe this, that, that God is saying, just imagine with me, if Jesus asked you that question, what do you want me to do for you? Think about that for a moment. What would you like God to do in your life? You know, sometimes we just say, Lord, I pray you bless me. But it's like, you know, it's so general. But I believe, you know, in this case, Jesus knew the blind man couldn't see, but he made him say what he really wanted. And I think God is saying, what do you want me to do? You see, if we can get specific enough, then we can see when God answers that prayer. And God wants to answer our prayer and he wants us to see his hand moving in our life. Amen. Now, what would you ask him to do? In Matthew 7 and verse 7, Jesus said, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. Y'all believe that? In Genesis chapter 18, the Lord told Abraham and Sarah, remember, they were going to be with child in their old age. They were beyond childbearing age. But the Lord said, y'all going to have a child. Because, because they were beyond childbearing age, Sarah laughed at that. She's like, oh, that is funny. She didn't believe that God could do that. And then the Bible says in Genesis 18 and 13, Then the Lord said to Abram, 
Why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I love that phrase. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Let me ask you a question. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Is there anything that the Lord can't fix or change in your life? Now, come on. Can he do anything? Can he do the impossible? Is there any, if he can move heaven and earth, well, I believe he can fix us. Amen. I believe he can change our circumstance. Do y'all believe that this morning? Listen, if he can make the deaf hear, the blind see, the lame walk, and if he can raise the dead, I think he can fix and change anything and everything that we're facing in our life. Amen. Do y'all have faith to believe that? So listen, if we'll just make pursuing God a high priority, but listen, we must remember that diligence is required in our pursuit of God. We got to be diligent. Hebrews 11, 6 says this, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Now notice who gets rewarded when they seek God. The scripture says he's a rewarder of those who what? Diligently seek him. Diligently. You know, diligence is required for any kind of success in life. Isn't that true? Listen, getting healthy physically requires diligence. Succeeding in business requires diligence. And all the business owners said, learning a new skill or a trade requires diligence. Developing strong marriage relationship requires diligence. It doesn't just happen automatic. Amen. Diligence is required to receive or to achieve any kind of success, including our pursuit of God. We need to be diligent. Now, what is diligence? It means to zealously seek, pursue something with all of one's heart and strength. You know, listen, it's a picture of seeking something so passionately and so wholeheartedly that we literally exhaust our energy and our power in trying to accomplish it. And that's what the Lord is saying. It's like, hey, listen, you need to go after God with everything in you. Amen. And so listen, any pursuit in life requires diligence before you can realize the reward. For example, if you want to get in shape, Like if you want to get healthy, get in shape physically. You can't just go to the gym for one week. You know, every day you go to the gym. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Say, okay, I did all I can. Now I should be in great tip-top health and shape, right? How many of you know it does not work like that? If you want to get in shape physically, it requires what? It requires what? Now, let's say you want to get out of debt. We're talking about financial peace. Let's say you want to get out of debt. You just can't curb your spending for one week and think miraculously you're going to get out of debt. How many of you know that second week, if you're not working in diligence, you're going right back into the, into the hole. Amen. And so it takes diligence to get out of debt. Now, Galatians 6, 9 says this. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. You know what I think our problem is? We give up way too soon. Come on, we don't go after it hard enough, amen? But the scripture says, don't get tired of doing good. At just the right time, you're going to reap a harvest of blessing. But listen, only if you don't give up. 
Pursuing God is not a lazy, casual, half-hearted, temporary pursuit. Pursuing God takes fierce, unwavering commitment and dedication to follow through with your commitment. Are you all with me? And so the question is, you know, what's the point? Well, if we want to realize the reward of God, we got to get it, go after it. We need to maintain a fierce, unwavering desire and commitment to go after God. Are y'all hearing me? Because, see, I think too many times we just give it a, like a weak attempt. You know, it's like, okay, we take a shot at the basket. And we, if we don't make the shot, we say, oh, I can't shoot baskets. No, man, just stay on that court and shoot baskets, shoot baskets, shoot baskets until you can shoot a basket. Amen. Come on, we can't just, you know, just give it a little bit of effort and say, oh, man, I haven't seen anything. No, come on. Let's go after it with everything in us. Amen. Hebrews 11.6. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And so just as in the natural, diligence is required for success. So in the spiritual, diligence is required for success. Remember, Joseph experienced great rewards. Because he diligently pursued God. You know, listen, when you think about it, he went from the pit to the palace. But if he wouldn't have been diligent in his walk with God, he'd have stopped right there in the pit. He'd have never got to the palace. But listen, even whenever he was in the pit, he didn't give up on his pursuit of God. He kept on pursuing. Amen. Listen, if he wouldn't have had diligence, he would have quit when he got into the prison. But listen, Joseph had an unwavering determination that I'm going to go after God no matter what. And you know what happened to Joseph? Joseph went from the pit to the palace. Listen, you might be in the pit right now, but I'm telling you, if you will make pursuing God your lifelong endeavor, God is going to take you from the pit and he's going to bring you to the palace. He's done it for many in this room today and he'll do it for you as well. Amen? I know he will. Listen. Daniel diligently pursued God, and he was delivered from the lion's den. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego diligently pursued God, and they were saved in the fiery furnace of affliction. Eleven of Jesus' disciples diligently pursued God, and they survived the greatest storm of their life. What am I saying? If you'll pursue God, you're going to make it too. Amen. Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. Without faith, you got to believe. For he who comes to God must believe. You must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently pursue him. Amen? Any pursuit requires diligence before you can receive the reward. Now, how do you maintain your pursuit of God? How do you maintain your pursuit of God? Let me give you some suggestions. Because you see, listen... If diligence is required, that means we can't just pursue God for the first part of the year. We got to keep on pursuing God. And here's the, this is the whole purpose of this message. You know, we've seen it over and over again. People find themselves in the pit and they start pursuing God and he gets them out of the pit and they find themselves in the palace. But whenever they're in the palace, they forget to pursue God. And it's just a matter of time. They slide back in the pit. Are y'all hearing me out there? And so what I'm trying to tell you is quit sliding back in the pit. Keep pursuing God. Amen? Keep on pursuing Him. Here's some suggestions to maintain your pursuit of God. Number one, determine to make your pursuit of God a lifestyle and not a passing phase. 
Now, this has to do with our commitment to the Lord. Now, when someone gets married, you know, I've done a few marriages in my ministry lifetime, and whenever we get ready to marry somebody, we make them make a vow of commitment to each other. And it goes, we tell them to say something like this, I promise before God and all these witnesses to keep you in good times and in bad, in sickness and in health, to keep you only so long as we both shall live. Now, why do we make people make a vow whenever they get married? Why do we tell them that they need a vow to commit themselves to each other in good times and in bad? Because if they're not willing to commit themselves wholeheartedly up front, their marriage will never last. You know, we've been doing covenant marriages and covenant marriages, you can't just get out of it quite as easy. And so I've experienced this. They said, you know, I don't want to do a covenant marriage. And I say, well, I don't think I want to marry you. Because listen, they say, well, I don't want to have to go through all that red tape to get out of it. Well, if you're looking for a way out, you ain't ready to get married. Amen. Come on. Are y'all with me out there? And so listen, so their commitment to each other has to be a lifetime commitment, not a passing phase. Until you're really ready to make a lifetime commitment, don't get married. Listen, what am I trying to say? If you're not willing to commit your entire life to serving or pursuing God, then your pursuit of God won't last. Hello. It can't be a half-hearted commitment. But you know, I feel like sometimes when it comes to to our relationship to God, we want to put our little toe in the water because we heard that maybe the creator of the universe might be able to give us a better life than we can on our own. And we want to put our little toe in the water. And God said, don't put your little toe in the water. Dive in. Dive in. Jump all the way in. Amen. Don't get sprinkled with water. Get immersed in the waters of God's kingdom. Amen. Are y'all still tracking with me out there? So notice David's commitment to the Lord in, in Psalm 63, 1. It says, oh God, you are my God and I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. I've seen you in the sanctuary, gazed upon your power and glory. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I praise you. I will praise you as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer. You satisfy me more than the richest feast. I will praise you with songs of joy. I lie awake thinking of you, meditating on you through the night. Now, did you catch what David said in verse 4? And this is what he said. I will praise you as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer. You know what I think David was saying? He was saying, my pursuit of you is not going to be a lazy, casual, half-hearted, temporary commitment. My pursuit of you is going to be my lifestyle. Come on, it's one thing to do it for 21 days, but it's another thing for it to be a lifestyle. Psalm 146 in verse 2 says this, I will praise the Lord all of my life. I will sing praise to God as long as I live. You know, whenever I first got saved, I had a few Christians, more than one, tell me, you know, I would be just talking about the Lord, so excited about, you know what the Lord showed me, you know what the Lord did for me, and I was just, you know, I was just so excited about the Lord, and I had a few people tell me, oh, they said, look, and you're excited right now because you just became a Christian, but listen, your honeymoon's gonna, your honeymoon is gonna be over in a little while, and when they told me that, I was like, I got grieved, 
Oh, no. You mean I have to lose this fire? I have to lose this joy? How many of you know you don't have to lose your joy? Amen? They might have lost theirs, but you don't have to lose yours. Amen? They were speaking as if, as if you can expect to be excited about God for a little while, but you can't expect for God to be excitement, an excitement in your life for your lifetime. But listen, I want to submit to you today that God don't do a half a work, amen? He don't do a, a partial job. If he calls you in this kingdom, he wants you to just finish your race, baby. He wants you to win the race following him in faith, amen? So let me encourage you, the commitment you make, needs to be more than a phase. It needs to be a lifestyle. As, as a commitment that says, as long as I live. Amen? As long as I live. I want to encourage you to make God a tight priority and commit to pursuing Him, not just for 21 days, but for 365 days. Amen? Are you all with me with that? So it takes, it takes a wholehearted commitment. Jump all the way in. You know, sometimes we like to date the Lord, but we don't want to marry the Lord. We want Him to be our friend, but we don't want to be in a relationship, in accountability with Him. Well, listen, I can tell you right now, you are not going to succeed in pursuing God until you're willing to quit marrying Him, or quit dating Him and marry Him. Amen? Come on, we are the bride of Christ. Amen. We ain't the girlfriend of Christ. We are the bride of Christ. Number two, the second suggestion to maintain your pursuit of God is this. Determine not to allow anything to distract you from pursuing God. Now, this has to do with our focus of the Lord. We got to stay focused. As I was studying uh, for this message, I came across this verse and it, it, it jolted me. And I went back and I said, wait a minute, let me read that again. And this is the verse, Luke 17 and verse 32. Remember Lot's wife. When I read that, I had to think for a moment. Well, what, what about Lot's wife? What happened to Lot? How many of you know what happened to Lot's wife? See, some of you are smart. You already know. But do you know what? Let me tell you what happened to Lot's wife. In Genesis 19, it tells us that the Lord was upset with Sodom and Gomorrah because they were allowing all kind of evil and wickedness to take place in the city. And because of their wicked ways, the Lord decided he was going to judge Sodom and Gomorrah. And he instructed Lot and his family to flee the city and not to look back so their lives would be spared from the judgment. Well, Lot's wife didn't listen to the instructions of the Lord. The Bible says in Genesis 19, 26, it says... But Lot's wife looked back and she became a pillar of salt. Now that don't sound good. How many of you agree? That don't sound good. Now something in that city captured her heart and turned her head because it caused her to look back. It distracted her from pursuing the Lord and His instructions for her. Now, we're not sure what turned her head we're not sure what it was in Sodom and Gomorrah that turned her head to look back the other way. But if you follow the verse in Luke 17 that I quoted earlier, it gives us a hint. In Luke 17, 32, remember what happened to Lot's wife? If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you let go of your life, you will save it. 
I think Lot's wife is an example of getting distracted from your devotion to God. I think Lot's wife is an example of drawing back and turning away from your pursuit of God. How many people have been in church just on fire for God, full of the Holy Ghost, full of the grace of God, and they've turned their head. They've got distracted and they've lost the, they've lost the, the anointing of God on their life. You see, I think Lot's wife looking back is a reminder to not let any strong desire, to not let any difficult event or situation, any hurtful person, to turn your heart and distract you from pursuing the living God. Set your face like flint and say, I'm going after the Lord. Amen? The bottom line is we can't allow anything to turn our head. In Luke 9, in verse 61, someone said to Jesus, I want to go with you, Lord, but first let me go back and take care of things at home. And Jesus answered, anyone who starts plowing and keeps looking back isn't worth a thing to God's kingdom. Amen. Listen, when you get saved and you become a Christian and you put your hand on the plow to serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords, don't look back at the world. I think Sodom and Gomorrah is a picture of the world and the lure of the world and the drawing of the world. Keep your hand on the plow. Don't look back. Keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. Amen. Amen. Simple things can keep you from pursuing God. Is there anything holding you back right now? Is there anything turning your head? Determine not to allow anything to turn your head from God. Amen? Now a third suggestion to maintaining your pursuit of God is this. Determine to continually fuel your love and fire for God. Now this has to do with life's priorities. You know, listen, our relationship with the Lord has to be a priority, a top priority. Wouldn't you agree with that? If you agree with that, let me hear you say, Amen. Amen. Now Lord, you heard them. You heard what they said. Now listen, because sometimes, see, without realizing it, we can lose our love and fire for God. How many of you can vouch for that? Come on, there's three honest people in the church. Come on now, I'm going to ask again. How many of you can vouch for that? Right? In fact, by the way, it's very easy to lose your love and your fire for God. It's very easy. You don't even have to try. You know, I think just the normal dealings and responsibilities of life. I mean, there's some people, they have water pistols, man. And you get around them and they'll turn your fire out. I mean, no, I think they have a fire hose. Isn't that true? Listen, I mean, the problems, the burdens, the, the, the hard times, man, that can be like a wet blanket on your fire. Isn't that right? Listen. But we gotta, we gotta make sure that we don't allow our fire to go out. Because the Lord wants us to keep our fire. Now the church of Ephesus is a great example of this. In Revelation chapter 2, the Lord said to them, I know all the things you do. I've seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You examine the claims of those who say they are apostles, but they're not. You have discovered they are liars. 
You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. So God begins his talk to the church of Ephesus by saying, man, you're doing a lot of great things that I'm very pleased with. You're working hard. You don't tolerate evil people. You're, you're suffering the mistreatment of serving me. And you're not quitting. I'm, I'm really pleased with that. But, verse 4, he says, but I have this one charge to make against you. That you have left or abandoned the one that you had, that the, the love that you had at first. You have deserted me, your first love. Now the church of Ephesus was guilty of allowing their love and their fire for God to wane, to go out. Now see, so this verse reveals something important to us. And it's this, God holds us accountable to maintaining our fire and love for Him. In another verse, he said, I wish you were rather hot or cold, not lukewarm. He wants us to keep our fire for God. Because you know what I've noticed? If I'm lukewarm, I can do more damage to the kingdom of God than, than just being lost like a goose in high woods. Amen? But he holds us responsible. It's almost like he puts a fire in our heart and I says, okay, manage that fire. It's your fire, but manage it. Amen? And that's what he's asking of us, I think. Listen to what the Lord instructed the church at Ephesus to do. How do we keep that fire going? In verse 5, he says, So remember where you were before you fell. Change your hearts and do what you did at first. You keep the fire going by changing your heart and doing what you did at first. Now, think about it. What did you do at first? I think about it. Remember what you did when you first became a Christian? I mean, I think about it. I, man, I was in church every time the doors were open. I was so, uh, I was so concerned about displeasing God. I was just like, Oh, if I, if I did anything, Lord, Oh, Lord, please have mercy. Whatever you do, don't take your presence from me, Lord. I mean, I was, I was in small groups. I read my Bible. I mean, I devoured the Bible. I prayed every day. I mean, I went after God with gusto. Amen. He says, that's what you need to do. That's what you need to do right there. See, I basically continued to feel the fire of God in me. And that's what he's saying. You got to go back to fueling the fire of God in you. Proverbs 26.20 says, Without wood, a fire goes out. See, to keep the fire of God going, we got to keep putting spiritual logs on the fire. See, our fire for God just don't automatically... Look, if I go camping and I make a fire, I can make a fire as big as this building right here. But listen, it's just a matter of time. That big old fire is going to be reduced to some embers. I can't just put a bunch of wood and then think it's going to last a lifetime. I got to keep fueling that fire if I want to keep it going. Are y'all tracking with me? Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? And so what I think God is saying is that, listen, we need to manage the fire of God in our life. Amen. We got to throw fresh logs on the fire. So can I encourage you today? Can I encourage you to just throw some logs on your fire today? Amen. And I'm telling you, although it might be embers right now, if you'll keep throwing logs on the fire, baby, it's going to start burning like crazy. Amen. Now, let me suggest three logs that will keep your fire going. And I think this is really important. And if you'll just listen to what I'm saying right here at the end of this message, I think it can make a difference in your spiritual walk. And this, here's a, here it goes. First log is put God first every day. You got to put God first every day. 
And so listen, Matthew 6.33 says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Now, first thing you do when you get up in the morning is put some logs on the fire, not in the living room, on the heart of your life. Amen? And you know what I found, saints? If I don't put God first in my day, he's not going to be in my day. Or he's going to have just some little kindling somewhere along the day. And, and that fire is going to just burn up that kindling real quick. But if I'll put him first, it's like putting some massive logs on the fire. First is very important. You know, somebody said, one week without putting God first will make one week like feeble week. See, and I think sometimes we got feeble Christians because we're not putting God first. Jesus taught us to read his word in Matthew 4, 4. Jesus said, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Remember whenever they were in Israel, he gave a manna for the day, not for the week. He gave them manna for the day. And if they got manna for two days, they would turn into worms. He was trying to teach them every day we need manna. Every day we need manna. Man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. He was trying to train the children of Israel that it's not a weekly thing, a yearly thing. It's an everyday thing. Amen. And then he said, he taught us to pray every day. In Matthew 6, 11, he said, give us, pray this way, give us this day our daily bread. Every day we need fresh fuel and strength from God. Isn't it true that in any given day, you can go through so much, you can experience so much. I mean, you leave the house, your hair is just right, your clothes are pressed. I mean, everything looks good. You come back at the end of the day, your hair's all messed up, your clothes are all shriveled, shattered, you know, just tore up. And you say, where you been? Oh, I had a bad day. <laughs> come on, y'all been there? Come on, how many of you had some of those days, right? And you see, and then we come stumbling into the house and we're so depleted. But if we'll get up the next morning, if we'll sit in our sit at the feet of Jesus, open our Bible. See, we talked about the one-year Bible. You can get those in the coffee shop as well. Everyday saints of God, read the Word of God. Let the Word of God nourish your soul. Amen? And here's the second log to keep the fire burning, is put God first every week. You see, there's, there's a... Um, there's a, a trend going on in churchanity today. People used to go to church every Sunday, but people are not doing that anymore. People are going to church maybe once or twice a month. And so what basically is happening is we're breaking the Sabbath. See, Exodus 28 says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Listen, I know you don't have to go to church to be saved. I know you don't have to go to church to keep the fire burning. But Jesus is the one that said that we need to make fellowshipping with the saints a priority. 
Listen, the Sabbath day is a day of rest, but it's also a day to go to church and to worship the Lord. You see, we look at the first of the week as being Monday, but that's not right. The first of the week is Sunday. Amen. In Jewish tradition, it was Saturday. But see, we need to look at Sunday morning as the first of our week. Now, there's something about God says, if you'll put it first, I'll bless the rest. If you'll put it first, I'll bless the rest. You see, and so we, we need to make a commitment that, listen, I don't need to go to church to be saved or to love God, but I'm, I'm going to church because I want to put God first. Now, listen, it takes me to prepare myself. It takes some gas to get out there. It takes time in my schedule. It, it takes me putting aside my agenda to get in the house of God, but I'm going to the house of God. Amen? Now, listen, even Jesus made a priority of going to church every Sabbath day. The Bible says in Luke 4, 16, he went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue. That was the church. As was his custom. And he stood up to read. See what his custom was to go to church in the synagogue. So listen, I encourage you to make church attendance a priority. You know, listen, we normally make it to work on Monday. Why? Because we're looking for what's going to come on Friday. Come on now. I'm preaching at you right now. Amen. We're motivated to go to work on Monday because we're motivated to get what comes on Friday called a paycheck. But see, if we'll, if we'll look at this right, God can give us what a paycheck can't. And with greater determination and gusto, we need to get in the house of God on Sunday and we need to get to the feet of Jesus in the morning so that we can receive the fire of God. It'll put logs on our fire and it'll keep it burning. Amen. And then finally, the third and final log that keeps the fire burning is to make a habit of obeying his commands. Because you see, God will speak to you. He said, my sheep hear my voice. Now, some of us, we hadn't heard the voice in a while because we're not sitting at the feet of Jesus, because we're not taking time. Listen, let us not be stubborn, strong-willed children. Let us be compliant, obedient children of God. In John 14, 15, Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commandments. In, in, in verse 24, he said, anyone who does not love me will not obey me. See, nothing will quench the fire of God in your life like deliberate, willful disobedience to God. But you know what? The opposite is true. Nothing will put fire on the, put fuel on the fire like when we just do what God tells us. See, Jesus fueled his fire by obeying his father. And he says in John 4, 34, Jesus told them, my food is to do what the one who sent me wants me to do and to finish the work he has given me. Did you notice what he said? My food is. See, the more Jesus obeyed the father, the more it fed his spirit, man, the more fire and passion for the father he received. His obedience to the father was like food that fuel, or, or fuel that fueled his fire. You know what? I believe it'll do the same for us. Don't you agree? Now, would you stand with me and let's close in prayer?
How many of you feeling closer to God as you've just been fasting and praying? You're just feeling the glow of God. You know what I've noticed every year is the people that are hungriest and, and participate the most in prayer and fasting is normally people that are going through a difficult time, that are having going through hard time. And you know, listen, saints, if we could just get it and not wait till our back is against the wall to pursue God and just make it a lifestyle, man, nothing will satisfy us like having a closeness with God. Three suggestions to maintain your pursuit of God. Commit to making it a lifestyle. I'm going to serve God. I'm not just like we do in marriage, in sickness and in health, in good times and in bad. I'm going to serve you. I'm not going to, I'm, I'm going to keep you and you only. I'm going to keep my heart for you, Lord. I'm going to keep you as a priority in my life. And how about we just make a decision? I'm going to not let anything turn my head. I'm not going to let a relationship, I'm not going to allow the lure of money or wealth or business or anything like that turn my head. Can we just make that commitment today? And then how about we just make a commitment? Listen, I, I'm going to start throwing more and more logs of my fire. More and more logs. I don't want that thing to go out. I don't want my fire to go out. Amen? I don't want it to go out. You know, at the end of that verse, he says, if you don't repent and turn around and start putting fuel on that fire, he said, I'm going to remove your lampstand. Now, I don't know exactly what that means, but you know, the last thing I would want is for me to lose my desire to serve God, backslide and go into the world and go back into the gutter that I came out of. That's the last thing I want. Isn't that true of you? The last thing we want is to go back in the gutter. And listen, none of us in this room are incapable of going right back in that gutter that we came out of where the Lord found us. Amen. So we need to just make the Lord a priority and say, God, I'm going after you with everything. Everything on the inside of me. Amen. Come on, just lift your hands to the Lord if you have the liberty. And let's just ask God right now. Lord, I pray that you would fuel the fire. Fuel the fire in our heart, Lord. God, we pray today. Lord, we don't want to just pursue you for a phase or a season, oh God. Lord, we want to pursue you with our whole heart, with everything in us, God. We want more of you, Lord. And we ask you today in the name of Jesus that, Lord, you would just, Lord, change our hearts today. Lord, right now ignite a fresh fire and a fresh passion in our life. Lord, to be hungry for you like never before. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father, for just touching us today and giving us a greater and greater hunger for you. Now just put your hands down for just a second, but just keep praying for just a second and just, just let God just fire your heart up right now. Just let Him fuel your heart. Now let me ask you a question. Maybe you hear today and you say, Todd, I don't know that I've ever put Christ first in my life. I've been living my life, doing my own thing. I haven't heard some of the stuff you said today, but I want to put Christ first. I want Him to be the Lord of my life. I want to make Him the first. And I'm ready to surrender to Him. I'm ready to give my life to Him and serve Him with everything in me. If that's you today and you say, Todd, would you pray for me? Just lift your hand. I want to pray for you. Just lift your hand. Just lift it high. 
Just lift it real high so I can see it. This could be the transformation, the changing right here. I see your hand. Anybody else, just lift, lift it high. Don't be ashamed. Don't be bashful. Don't be timid. Just say, Todd, that's me. I want to serve the Lord. Anybody else? Listen, those of you that are right over here, I see your hand. Come on, if your heart is beating fast and if you feel like that, that might be me. That might be me. Just raise your hand right here, sir. Right here in the middle. I see your hand. Anybody else? Listen, those of you that are raising your hand. Listen, don't be ashamed. Don't be bashful. We are your brothers and sisters in here and we for you. So listen, those of you that got your hands raised, raise both of them up. Come on, be bold and say, I'm standing up for Jesus. I'm standing up for Jesus. Come on, lift them both up. I'm standing up for Jesus. Now listen, are you ready to serve God? Are you ready to live for him? If you are and you're saying, I'm going on with God, just slip right out of the pew. Just slip right out of the pew and come meet me right here. Listen, I'm coming right down right now. Come on, just take a step. Listen, if you can't stand up for Jesus in church, you'll never do it outside. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Come on. I'm standing up. Jesus is going to be first. Jesus is going to be first. He's going to be first in my life. He's going to be up front and center right now. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. There was others that raised their hand. Come on, just take that step right now. Now just lift your hands right now. Just lift your hands, brothers. Just lift them before the Lord and say this with me. Lord Jesus, I'm ready. I'm ready to surrender. I'm ready to give my heart and life to you. I need change. I need to put you first. I'm sorry. Would you forgive me, Lord, for not doing that before? But from this day forward, I commit my heart to you. I commit my life to you. Come on, just say it. I commit my life to you. And I determine today to give my all to you. But I need your help. Would you empower me? Would you fill me with your spirit and give me the the desire to live the Christian life? Thank you, Father, for accepting me in your family today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. God bless you. Congratulations. Now listen. God bless you. Do me a favor. Just stay right here. We're going we're gonna to get your names and we're going to put your names in that box. We're going to pray for you this week. we got some material to help you get started in your journey. Amen. Congratulations. Welcome to the family of God. Amen. Amen. Y'all ready to row? Come on, let me pray a blessing. Oh, Father, I pray the blessing in favor of the Lord over the people of God. Lord, may your face shine upon them. Lord, may you do supernatural things in their life, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.